This is a Wild Conversation. Hi, my name is Callum Hughes. I'm a zookeeper here at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. And I'm Ashley Wysick, also a zookeeper here at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. And today on a Wild Conversation, we're going to be talking about some oddities in the natural world. Hmm. You know when you're like <laughs> lying in bed and you can't go to sleep until you answer a really weird question? No. Like you've never like had to Google something to figure it out? Like can a double yoka hatch? I usually don't crawl into bed until I'm like borderline about to pass out on the couch. <laughs> oh man. Me, I will be lying in bed and then my mind will be like, dude, can a double yoka hatch? And I'm like, I gotta look this up. And for anyone wondering, apparently they can hatch. Um, Interesting. It's very rare and usually requires human intervention, but it is possible for a double yoker to produce two chicks. Weird. Weird, right? Yeah. And but by double yoker, you do mean an egg that has two yolks. Exactly. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, uh, I, I might have skipped a few things. You just got really it's excited. It's just British slang, double yoker, eh? Oh, <laughs> um, that wasn't even a British accent. Wow. I actually put in a different accent when I was trying to interpret myself. Um, but if we're starting off with oddities, we've definitely got to talk about the platypus. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a very well-known one. Oh, man. It's so odd that when they brought in a stuffed specimen to the Natural History Museum, like they brought it from uh, Australia, um, the uh, scientist or researcher studying it pulled it apart looking for stitches. Because really? he, he was convinced that someone had sewed in a beaver-like animal or a mole-like animal with a platypus. And you can't really blame him because there were many scams out there with taxidermist specimens. Have you ever heard of the fur-bearing trout? No. Yeah. What? Excuse <laughs> so, me? Yes, exactly. Someone was pulling, uh, pulled a prank on someone or sold a very expensive fur-bearing trout. Um, from Lake Superior in Canada to a person who brought it to the Natural Scottish Museum before he found out it was a fake. It was a rabbit fur sewed onto a trout. Oh my god! If you want a funny picture, look up fur-bearing trout. That's crazy. <laughs> but platypuses are weird. I mean, I'm sure you know why platypuses are weird, right? Oh yeah, because they're one of the few mammals in the world that actually lay eggs. Yeah. Yeah. They lay that leathery alone. eggs. That's, that's, that's a, that alone blows my mind <laughs> they produce milk through pores they don't mm -hmm. have uh, nipples like most other mammals it just comes out of pores um they have a bill that's kind of bird-like yep but it gets even weirder are you ready to go down the weird train okay yeah no but let's do this <laughs> well i bought you tickets so okay. here we go all right they have electroreception in their bills just like a shark oh they're, they're able to pick up the um Electro um, electric messages released by their prey, which are like uh, like crawfish-like animals, worms, uh, as they move. Interesting. They have like a that kind of um, what is it cartilage-like uh, bill, or it's covered in material that allows them to sense for anything for things when they're diving. Because when they dive, they close their ears and they close their eyes. Oh, interesting. So they go kind of like sensory blind, except for their bill. Exactly. That is so weird. Right? I did not know that. But there's more. Oh, God. Okay. 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 Um, I'm here. They also, males have a venomous spur. I did know that. Yes. Which is crazy. That isn't, yeah. It's just like every time they're like, okay, the platypus is perfect. Actually, wait, let's add one more weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, and Australia is known for its poisonous animals. Even the platypus yep. is venomous. I shouldn't say poisonous. 
it's not gonna hurt you if you eat it. Um, and there's even more about them, right? And okay. this was recently discovered. They are biofluorescent. Wait, like they glow? Yep, if Ex you have black light on them. Wait, literally? They glow a greenish, bluish hue if you put a black light on them. That is so weird. I wonder why, I don't wonder why. No idea. This is this is not a podcast that's going to help you sleep at night. By the way, <laughs> no, it's we just are going to leave you questions. with more questions. Absolutely, you're going to be like lying in bed with your eyes open, and you know your friend or something or your partner is going to be like, "Is there anything I can do to help?" I'm thinking, no. Why are platypuses fluorescent? <laughs> what? I mean, they die with their eyes closed and the ears closed, so it doesn't make any sense for that. Both males and females have it, so it's not about sex selection. I've, I've heard about biofluorescence in a lot of birds, but that's really interesting. I don't think I've heard about it a lot in mammals. Exactly. That is super weird. Right? Yeah. So that's definitely one of those really weird things that we have no idea why yet. Right? I mean, sometimes when I go under a black light, my nail polish will glow, but that's about as far as I get. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing to talk about, and this is a really cool fish, all right? Okay. It's the fish. arapaima. Yep. Oh, I've heard of that only because I would catch them on Animal Crossing. Really? Yeah. Huh. They're the <laughs> world's largest fish, freshwater fish, freshwater I should say. Freshwater fish. Okay. Large, okay. World's largest fish is the whale shark. Um, the world's largest freshwater fish is the arapaima. Okay. And it's got a couple of weird things. Yeah. One, it's an air breather. Oh. So it will gulp so air. He, does he actually have lungs then? Like It's kind of like a uh, swim bladder that's oh. being repurposed as a way to absorb oxygen, but also a flotation device. Interesting. Right? That's so weird. But here's the crazy thing about it. If you separate an arapaima from being able to get up to the surface, it will drown. In 10 to 15 minutes, it will drown if it's not able to go to the surface and gulp air. I don't really like that people know this. Yeah, well, probably just <laughs> yeah, someone just... assumed, oh, fish, you don't need air, you're okay, I'll put this bar here to stop you from jumping out, and then probably that's... something happened in Aww. the early stages of understanding the species. But that's super cool, I didn't know, I didn't know that about, but to be fair, I don't know a lot about fish. Hey, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm That's why we're friends. <laughs> I'm going to bring the enjoyment of fish into your life, Ashley. Okay, well, I'll take the, I'll take the air-breathing fish. He's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but so next time someone says, like, you know, uses that line, you're so dumb, you tried to save a fish from drowning. It does happen. You turn around it and say, happen. actually, there are some species of fish that will drown if they don't have air, and every fish requires different levels of oxygen. So I'm just... next time you're calling me stupid, do your research on fish, okay? I'm just going to become that, like, really obnoxious stranger on the street who just, like, jumps into people's conversations for no reason. I'm like, actually. <laughs> we teach a self-defense course here at the zoo using animal facts alone. <laughs> That's all <not laughs> you use. Oh, um, have you, what do you think of anteaters? I think that they are very weirdly shaped and adorable. Right. <laughs> that well, is my take. They are pretty weird in the sense of they don't actually have... The giant anteater doesn't actually produce its own stomach acid. Really? Yeah. It oh. eats ants and it actually uses the ants' formic acid that they produce as a self-defense, their own acid, to digest themselves. That is very rude. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine? You know, that, that's just how they do it. And they have those super long tongues... Yeah. In mythology, um, they're considered tricksters. There's a story of a 
ante to tricking a jaguar into um, taking off their furs and diving into the water and uh, like a swimming or how long can you hold your breath competition and the anteater stole the jaguar's pelt or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, which is pretty cool. In some places, they can be considered bad luck as well. Interesting. Um, one, of, one of the things I find really cool about them is the fact that they will walk on their knuckles. Yes. It's so interesting to watch them actually walk around. Like Once you notice that, it's just, whoa. Yeah. yeah to protect their claws, right? And those claws are massive. Yeah, they are. Super strong. Um, I would love to meet an anteater one day. I've actually never seen one in real life. Me neither. Yeah. I think I might have seen one. I might have seen one at a zoo, but I've never seen one in the wild. Um, and I've been places where they, they do occur in the wild, but I'd, I'd love to see one. It blew my mind when I found out how big they are, like the mm. giant ones. Because like, little kid me was just like, ah, that's a beaver-sized animal. No. No, it's not. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's, right? there's a reason why they're called the giant anteater. Yeah. Oh, it makes sense. But here's something really weird okay. that doesn't make much sense. Okay. All right? And I have a picture of this, so I'm going to have to show you. Okay? Um, I'm scared. For some reason, the markings on their arms looks like a panda's face. What? Yep. I kid you not. It looks like a panda's face. Look at this. It's, oh, what the heck? Is that just the that anteater or all of them? All of them. There's tons of pictures of giant anteaters with a marking on their hands that looks like the head of a giant panda, which is crazy because they don't exist in that habitat. Um, it makes you wonder if there's a purpose for this. Whether or it's just it's coincidental. To, it could be. That's yeah. the thing. We don't know. I don't. I have looked up. I have researched intensely. Actually, I needed to know why, <laughs> and I couldn't find anything. Um, Honestly, nighttime at your house sounds very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I just sleep. Barbara, I mean, yeah, I would call to my girlfriend, Barbara, we need to, like, we need to do some research. Oh, we need yeah. to look this up. I need you to be on uh, reading a few papers here. I'm going to scroll YouTube, and then we'll go straight to uh, Wikipedia. See, the worst I ever do is I sleep talk, but I, like, wake Dylan up in the middle of the night and ask him to pet an imaginary rabbit I'm holding. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I do. Oh my god, look at this bunny. Do you want to pet it? He's... I'm really glad that uh, you're not. The, I'm not the only one that sleep talks after you told me oh, that. Oh yeah, no, I sleep talk a lot. Actually, one of the ones I me and Dylan got in a fight once because I told him I wasn't sleeping. Oh really? I was sleep talking. <laughs> I was sleep fighting about the fact that I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> That's pretty ironic. And you can't wake someone up if they're sleepwalking either. You're no. supposed to be calm and let them slowly come out of it. I just find out about these in the morning, he always tells me. <laughs> yeah, but no, the giant panda face on the giant anteater, that's just very cool. I wonder if it does serve some sort of function, if it's supposed to be a fake head that a predator might focus on, like a jaguar might go for the arm, which will give it a chance to defend itself as opposed to the head that might be a lot weaker. Yeah, um, that's that's interesting. It could also be mimicking a extinct animal potentially. I've heard some people rumor. There's no research that proves this. I will say that that it might be mimicking maybe the markings of an extinct ground sloth, for example. Oh, okay. Um, so they may be mimicking a uh, extinct species like the ground sloth, for example. Oh. But no research to prove it. It might just be like you said, it might just be coincidence. Yeah. You know, we Dude. might be like staring up at clouds and going, oh, that looks like a bunny. There's... Haven't haven't you ever seen that like TikTok or Vine or whatever it is? 
where there's a cat sitting on a roof, but it looks like just like the head of a dog. <laughs> and yes. the guy's like, um, um, and then the cat sits up. <laughs> it's uh, like, oh, okay. <laughs> have you seen the videos of koatis um, walking backwards? Yes. And they look like uh, tiny dinosaurs. They look like tiny sauropods. Or the one where it's the, the guy narrates hippos walking backwards. Like they're a completely different species. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. Nature's, nature's great. And it's something that we've always got to watch out for in the research community is like when we see something, you've got to have an open mind that you're wrong. You can't mm -hmm. be looking to prove your theory correct. You have to be looking um, or being as non-biased as you can and let the data speak or the research speak. Yeah. So uh, as far as what's going on with the anteaters, we have no answers to why they have those markings. But it's just, it's fun. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool to speculate, you know? Yeah. Um, speaking of something really weird. Okay. Imagine raising your offspring in your stomach. Um, okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, have you finished imagining it yet? Your abdomen's not that far from your stomach. Oh but... yeah. Okay. That's, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I might have missed a it's few not, classes in sex ed. <laughs> it's not really that weird of a concept. Well, like. There's a, there, it's now extinct, unfortunately, recently okay, extinct. Okay, okay. But there was Aww. a species called the gastric brooding frog. It's named frogs, frogs, are, frogs are just weird, though, with that kind of stuff, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's some really weird stuff with frogs. But what's cool is they produce these eggs yeah. and then they swallow the egg whole. Okay. Fertilized egg into their stomach and it develops into a froglet inside the stomach. Weird. And what's really cool is they're able to turn off their stomach acids. Huh. Uh, something in on the surface of the egg and also produced by the tadpole froglet basically sends a message to the mother. Or don't, to... don't, don't digest me, please. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's probably a, a message you, a baby should always send pretty, to a parent. Pretty, pretty please. <laughs> but it's really interesting because if we could research that, which is unfortunate because the species is gone, it could help us in advancing medical um, procedures for individuals that suffer from um, problems with their stomach acid, like being too strong, for example. Hmm. If we could get a drug or a hormone treatment that basically allows you to tone down that, it could have massive benefits. That would be really cool. And I totally forgot this about the arapaima, right? I was okay, talking okay. about the air breathing. Yep. There's one really f cool thing that it does. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It releases a milk-like substance from its head for its offspring. From its head? From its head. And both male and female do it. Interesting. They engage in parental care. And what people thought was this could be an example of them releasing some sort of milk substance for the babies to grow. Yeah. Um, but it, it's found that there's not really any proteins in there that should be aiding the development, but it does look like the babies are taking it in. Um, what they did when they researched it is it seems to be producing a hormone that in reptiles, birds, and fish seems to encourage parental behavior. That's so weird. So, or, or a, um, maternal affection. And I don't know if it affects the babies to stay close to mom and dad so they can be protected or if it um, sends messages to follow us, or if the hormones help changes in their body, but it's shown if they're denied a parent that's producing the stuff, they don't grow as big or as fast as they would. Interesting, so it kind of like stunts them if they are without. Exactly, and it's a prime example. There's some things we still don't 100% grasp 
why they do this, what purpose it serves. Um, but crazy to think of a fish that produces a milk-like substance from its head that's for its offspring. Weird. No, that's super, super weird. And the reason the gastric breeding frog reminded me of it is because the arapaima will sometimes open its mouth. The fry will swim into the mouth. It'll close its mouth and it'll move them to another location where there might be um, better feeding opportunities or to av avoid like uh, an area drying out, for example. That's interesting. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because whenever you think of it, an apparent animal carrying a baby in its mouth, you think of like a mammal physically carrying, but it's interesting to think of a fish doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Parental care in fish is, is, is a, lot, uh, a lot rarer than it is in mammals. I mean, it makes sense because they produce so many eggs that it's kind of a numbers game, you know? Yeah. Whereas uh, um, fish kind of like buy a, a ton of really cheap lotto tickets. Us mammals invest a lot of money in one lotto ticket. There's actually another animal, weird animal, that produces milk that you wouldn't think. Well, it's, it's like a milky sec secretion. It feeds its young. Okay. You expect. Flamingos. What? Yeah. You didn't a know bird that? that produced? No, I did yeah. not. Yeah, they produce like this milky secretion in like these specific glands. And they'll basically, I'm not sure exactly how they do it. I'd have to look. It's been a really long time since I researched flamingos. But they'll pretty much put the milk on themselves and the babies will drink it like off their feathers and stuff like that. And the parents will slowly lose their pink coloring as they're feeding their babies. And both males and females do it. Wow. Yeah, it's super, super weird. Like, it seems like the baby's drinking the pink right out of their parents. <laughs> I can't remember the exact specifics of it. Sounds like every but. time I get... I, I mean, I got, I got to make a confession to you. I yeah. hate things with shave ice. Okay. Because, like, it's like when you get an ice cap from Tim Hortons in the yeah. hot weather and you drink it down and the color goes and it's just ice and all the creamy good stuff is gone. That's, that's, that's what I'm picturing right you gotta, now. You got to mix it as you go, man. I'm not patient. I, I'm not patient. I don't wait for the ice to melt. I just get all the good stuff out. And then go back to Tim Hortons like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Oh, um, it's weird to think also of animals changing their diets or having a completely different diet. Yeah. So caterpillars. What do you think of caterpillars? I always think of a very hungry caterpillar. Yeah, exactly. Right? Me yeah. too. A very hungry caterpillar is a classic. Such a classic. But did that caterpillar ever eat meat? Hmm. Interesting. I don't. I don't think so. Well. I don't remember that part. You notice I kind of deepen my voice for that. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm getting weirded Hawaiian out. Hawaiian caterpillar. There's a caterpillar in Hawaii that's actually carnivorous. Oh, interesting. It does this really cool thing where it basically cuts a, um, a leaf or a stem of, a, uh, of a, a plant and it kind of hangs there or on the bottom of the a stem waiting for a fruit fly or something to show up. And it basically swings its body like a trigger and it grabs a hold of them with these sharp legs and ends up eating whatever it's caught. I'm, I've, I've never been scared by caterpillars before. Uh, thank you you <laughs> you're welcome that's terrifying <laughs> but only these guys only in hawaii interesting which goes to show you like how unique some species are on these islands they evolve a completely different strategy and we don't fully grasp why is it because there's lower nitrogen levels so they need the protein was it something to do with the plants having better defenses so they had to shift their diet to something more carnivorous it's also interesting too because a lot of animals do that just so they specifically don't have to fight 
for food, right? Mm. You know, they have this unique niche now that they don't have to worry about someone else coming in and trying to push them out of that same food source. Yeah, that might yeah. actually be it too. There might be less predators on these island habitats so that caterpillar yeah. is able to fill that role. Yeah. So, you know, butterflies can, you know, become, or at least their larval state can become quite carnivorous if you give them the opportunity. It's, it's not just spiders that eat the flies. But here's where it gets interesting too with spiders. Ooh, oh, look at that. We just talked about carnivorous caterpillars. What about mostly? Herbivorous spiders? Yes. Wait, legit? Legit. Oh. Yep. Okay, continue. It's I'm intrigued. doesn't have a common name, but it has a scientific name, which is taken from Bagheera um, from the Jungle Book. It's called Bagheera something. I love Bagheera. Um, but uh, this spider in certain places eats at least 70% vegetative material huh and, and a lot a, a remainder of that is nectar and a little bit more of that is just some occasional insects so it's not completely herbivorous just mostly but even a tiny fraction is amazing yeah. for spiders no, that's, right that's still amazing you mostly think of them basically just eating insects yeah. No, that's crazy. And this one didn't evolve on an island either. You can find it in parts of Mexico and uh, Central America. Huh. And uh, what they've done is they've kind of hijacked a, a symbolic um, relationship between ants and a plant that uses ants to protect itself. Symbiotic? Yes. You know where like yeah. a, um, a colony of ants lives inside this plant because it has hollow horns, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the ants protect it from any herbivorous animals coming. But okay. the plant gives them uh, nectar and these protein-rich little uh, tiny leaves that it produces for the ants to eat. Oh, that's really cool. But the and spider... the spider's just like, how about me too? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the spider shows up and basically steals because um, it probably doesn't do much protecting since it's mostly herbivorous. Yeah. It will occasionally eat larvae from the ants, which makes up a part of its uh, meat in its diet. Hmm. But it'll also um, drink the sweet sap that it produces from these special nodules for the ants. That's really interesting. Right? He's just like, hey, this this seems like a really beneficial relationship. I think I'm going to get I'm going to get in on this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. Right? <laughs> and these little nodules are full of protein and sugars. So it's able to be supported. Um, a good transition from something that's predatory to something that becomes herbivorous. That's so weird. Very cool, though. Exactly. It's uh, interesting to see that there's so many um, exceptions to rules, so many weird ones that still leave us guessing today. We don't fully grasp it. Honestly, the exceptions to rules usually really frustrates me. Yeah. It's hard to memorize all of them. <laughs> I mean, I'm still shocked by... Um, platypus being biofluorescent. No, that's that's fascinating. That's and really cool. Who discovered it and how? Right. You know, was just it was it like someone who's really into black lights and they're just like putting black lights on everything? <laughs> <laughs> someone who was trying to get extra credit at some fraternity in uh, in Australia, probably. Yeah. There's a black light p party going on and he was trying to study a pelt of a platypus to get extra credit and the black light shined on it. It was like, dun dun oh. dun. <laughs> Well, uh, this has been an interesting conversation. If anyone has any questions for us regarding odd animals, we probably won't be able to answer them, but we can set up a support group. A support uh, group. <laughs> please do not hesitate to contact us at podcast at gvzoo.com or DM us on our social media. I'm Callum Hughes. And I'm Ashley Isaac. And this has been A, a Wild, Wild Conversation. conversation.